This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, the original one, the one where if you're a subscriber to GoPowerCat.com, you ask the questions. And we hope you're now subscribing to GoPowerCat.com. If you missed out on the Cyber Monday deal, I don't know what to tell you because we even held it through Tuesday. We, we did it as long as we could. We tried. We tried. And if you missed out on that, we'll have another special eventually. But that was the big one, our best special of the year. Oh, man. I want you to subscribe so badly. I want you to experience life behind the paywall. I hope you get that for Christmas. Life behind the paywall. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert, your trifecta of podcasting magic. I am in the new studio at my house. And I have a hum. There might be a hum on this podcast. I'm not happy with something set up on the board. Zach, this board has too many buttons. And they all got moved. Oh, no. So I, I'm trying to figure it out. But, man, it's uh, – I ordered some new cords. That's exciting. That's that's how excited my exciting my life is in COVID. Ordering cords is a very big deal. Ordering liquor on an app and picking it up without leaving your car is also a big deal. And you can do it at the Fridge Wholesale Liquor whenever you're in town. Stop on through Manhattan, stop into the fridge. Hope you're coming to town on Saturday. I think even if you don't have tickets, you should come and go to Tanner's or the high-low and watch the darn game with fellow K-State fans and have a beer. Tanner's and high-low are our segment sponsors, and we appreciate their support through the years, along with the fridge. And we hope your questions are good. We hope we have uh, motivating, tantalizing sensationalizing, that's not the right word, uh, questions from Wabash Station. I haven't seen them. I try to not see them before we get to ask these questions. And now I'm going to ask Ryan Gilbert. Gills, take it away. First question of the podcast is from KNED. Can you claim much of an excuse, uh, pardon me, a COVID excuse versus Baylor? Uh, yeah, I mean... You're a little missing, bit. A little bit. I mean, you're missing two starting linebackers and two, two starting guards. It's not like you're missing four guys at all different positions. You, when you get hit with duplicates like that, it really does make it difficult. But I'm kind of overusing it as an excuse. I mean, a lot of teams are dealing with it. I just uh, – the, the the ongoing issue with K-State is they don't have enough depth to survive these things. You know, they just – they don't uh, – don't have enough players. I mean, attrition from transfers and COVID and injuries. And uh, this this whole system is set up to 
run guys in and out and be fresh in the fourth quarter, and they weren't fresh in the fourth quarter. They were shot on defense, particularly those linebackers, and it really showed. I guess the question to ask is, do Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hughes being on the field win the game for K-State? Does Baylor fail to score on one of their drives in the second half, uh, which which would let K-State win? And I would, I'd be willing to say yes. I think that you can yeah. pick – I don't know if there's one specific drive you can point at to where, you know, one of, you know, one of Sullivan or Hughes's replacements, you know, failed to make a play that eventually led to a score. I think that's going to be tough to do, but I think just their presence and their leadership on the field, I don't think it's unreasonable to expect them, you know, to be able to, you know, make adjustments on the fly, you know, maybe a little quicker than what was out there um, and maybe prevents Baylor from scoring on one of their drives. So, and since COVID was the reason that they were out, yeah, I mean, I think you can point to it. But, I, yeah, it, it is getting kind of tired that we have to, you know, claim COVID as an excuse. But that's just – that's kind of what was going to happen this year. That This season was going to be full of excuses. And, you know, you hate making them, but that's just kind of what the world is and the reality that we're living in. And that's what happens when you go out there with, you know, with the plan to play games – every week i mean provided this game doesn't get canceled you know k-state's going to join the club of not having a game canceled all year because of covid or at all so i mean it's impressive that we've made it this far um but you know we've made it this far because k-state's been willing to you know put whoever out there you know they haven't tried backing down from a challenge so you, you know if the reality is that if both teams were healthy, if there was no pandemic, I think that you will see a different outcome in this game. So yeah, it's annoying to use the excuse, but it's the world we're living in. Uh, I do agree with that premise. I mean, just having two more linebackers and being fresher might've been the difference. Uh, But you, you know, you don't know. You just, there's no way to know. I don't know if, excuse is the right word because Kleiman clearly wanted to play, you know, not only this game, but the Iowa state game and the Oklahoma game as well. So, you know, it's, it's a reason that they, I'm, I'm with you, Zach, if they have Hughes and they have Sullivan, they're probably going to win this game somehow, some way, but also we're going to talk about all these here. I'm sure the coaching decisions, the time management, the officiating in this game, all of it was just not in favor of Kansas state. So certainly the, the COVID had an, an impact on this game, but you can't blame one thing or another there's many opportunities k-state had you know to win that game if will howard didn't throw an interception on the first drive of the game probably going to win that game as well so many things could can go into that i don't think COVID's the only excuse k-state has for this one yeah i think you got some good points there it's not you you can k-state was so close to winning that game that you can't just point at one you, you can you can point at one thing say if this went differently k-state wins the game and COVID just happens to be one of those reasons that you can point and just flip the outcome you know and flip the reason there to where they win that game so i i think in spite of covid k-state nearly wins the game you know in spite of themselves i mean i think it was such a fine line that if the officials review that one that one k-state play where they marked him short of a first down and realize oh he did get across the yard line which he did but they didn't review it they had just reviewed the same thing from the same side judge for Baylor and moved the ball ahead a good yard, but they didn't do it for K-State. 
they pick up that first down, that, that might change the game. That's how fine a line this entire game was, and um, I was just disappointed. It just felt like one of those days where K-State couldn't get that that break, that play, that whatever, the call. didn't matter. They just couldn't get that one more that they needed all day long. It just felt, it felt uh, very frustrating. Next question from Wagcat. Have Chris Kleiman's endgame management skills been lacking, or are we just spoiled for how well overall Snyder managed things for so long? Some of both, maybe? Yeah, both. I agree. I agree with that. Look at Chris Kleiman's career. When uh, did he ever call plays? He never did. He was a defensive coordinator. Or try to uh, have to have late last-second drives or stands where you got to manage the clock. Most of his career, they've been kicking everyone's butt. Now, this is kind of new to him, and it, it falls under the heading of self-evaluation, which he mentioned on Monday's Big 12 teleconference, that they do self-scout. They do talk about these things, but um, he kind of brushed aside a, a question from Michael Goins at Tuesday's press conference, asking about time management. No, I don't think I'd do anything different. Well, that's something they need to look at. And uh, it's, But Snyder... You know, I was thinking about this quite a bit, and I almost feel like there's a lot of math here with time management and, you know, what we need to do that you just kind of have it or you don't. You kind of have a feel for it. Snyder could just kind of understand we need to do this and this, and then they don't have enough time. Uh, He'd play it awfully close to the vest sometimes. Sometimes it wouldn't work, but for the most part, he was on top of the time management but he'd also been an offensive coordinator for a lot of years before he became a head coach. And I think that put him at an advantage. Yeah, I think I think that the time management that you look at the time of possession, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think K-State was somewhere about 25 minutes uh, of possession. So that's 35 minutes that you're out there on defense. You know, I think you can point at that as another reason, you know, K-State loses that game. They just they don't control the ball you know, throughout the game, you know, not even just talking about the end of the game, but, um, you know, climbing, you know, in FCS, he's been dominant. He didn't need to manage the clock. It didn't matter. They were so far in front that it didn't matter, you know, how much time of possession they had or, you know, whatever. But, you know, as Bill Snyder showed, you know, at K-State, you have to do some extra stuff, you know, you know, special teams, clock management, you know, time of possession, you know, there's there's areas that you have to take advantage of, you know, to be able to win. And I think if if K State, I think K State is still largely a similar team to what they were under Snyder. It's just you gotta you have to capitalize on some of these decisions, you know, like managing the clock right, you know, taking advantage of special teams. You know, I think they're halfway there. It's just you got to kind of connect the dots and get everything, you know, flowing again. And I think, you know, I think time of possession really is going to be critical, you know, going forward. I think that that is something the coaches need to look at, look at over the offseason, figure out, hey, how can we extend the clock? How can we make these drives last longer? You know, they can't, they can't go out at the end of a game like they did, run two plays, throw a pass. You ran, what, a minute off the clock and you didn't get a first down? You've got to be able to get, get, get the ball up the field and, and chew up some clock. And, and I think that, I think that's, that's the one area that they they're lacking at. I'm with pretty, I'm with you guys all the way here. I talked about this on my podcast as well, how 
Kleiman's not used to being in these close games. So it's not something you can just learn on the fly or have someone, you know, talking into your headset, telling you what to do. It's just going to have to be instilled, um, you, you know, with experience coaching in close games. And he just doesn't have that. That's not necessarily a knock on him. It's just, he's not played in close games. So it'll, it'll get better over time, but it's very, very fair to criticize his, his time management as of late. Next question from KNED. Is football football at halftime, or are the Power Five coaches faster and more creative at uh, the adjustment game than FCS? This staff seems to get consistently beaten at halftime. And as much as we want to blame talent, Messingham was 60% with no touchdowns in the third quarter at Iowa State, too. This staff doesn't seem like they have put hours into anticipating all the possible adjustments the other side might take and what their counters will be. I I agree with much of that. You know, I just they don't make dramatic adjustments, and when the other team does, like Baylor did offensively, they don't seem to have an on-the-fly counter adjustment as often. Again, this kind of goes back to what Wagcat said, or we just kind of spoiled by Bill Snyder, and he was great at halftime adjustments. Didn't always work, but he'd also not show some things until the second half where you didn't have time to adjust to it. That was one of the masterful things he did. Boy, they sure were bad the first half. And he's like, well, I haven't called what I'm going to call. You know, this that's not the game I'm calling the rest of the way. Once you're settled in in the second half, then we're going to do this or that. And uh, it was kind of fun to watch from, a, you know, a, the standpoint of scheming. Um, this team, these coaches do need to be better at halftime and in the second half. No doubt. The third quarters offensively are atrocious, and that stat from Mess's time at Iowa State is very interesting. I don't, I, I don't know how to account for that. How can he be that bad consistently in a in a specific quarter? It's kind of crazy. It's a crazy, crazy number. Another thing that's frustrating is when stuff that does work, you know, in the first quarter, and then you don't try it again yeah. until late in the game, like Harry Trotter. What was Harry Trotter doing on Saturday? He was averaging six yards a carry. And if you want to take, take away his long of 11 yards, he's still averaging more than five yards a carry on those other four. He was having a decent game, more than decent. He was working. It, he worked against the Baylor defense. And Messing, Messingham and co. just said, ah, no, we're going to go with Deuce, you know, or whoever. I don't even know if Tyler Burns or anybody else got on the field. I think they, so that carries because he was working. It was working with Harry Trotter and he just, they just forgot about him. It doesn't make any sense. It's it. I almost feel like K state has a game plan. That's so planned out that, you know, that it's almost scripted to the point where, you know, they aren't going to make any adjustments because they have what they've planned for. That's part of my feeling. I know that's probably not the case, but it's just they need to find stuff that works. And then once they do, don't just throw it off to the side like they did with Harry Trotter. That that was the most mind-numbing thing I think that happened on Saturday. After everything, not playing Harry Trotter more with the success he had on just five carries, especially at the end of the game. He should He could have been playing at the end of the game you know, those five yards on first and second down, hey, guess what? That gets you a first down, and you're probably forcing Baylor to use up some timeouts. 
And maybe you don't score or get it in the field, field goal, field goal range, but you know, you can give, you know, Ty Zentner a chance to boot it further down the, the field than what, what he did to set up that final, final field goal for Baylor. You can have the best game plan in the world. And I'm sure oftentimes Kleiman and his staff are very confident in their game plan. But like you said, if the defense, you know, if they've got you covered, man, you've got to learn to adjust and they haven't done that well this season. I think the numbers certainly prove that. So um, again, you've got another fair argument there to make against, against Messingham or, or Kleiman, whoever that may be with the, uh, the lack of adjustments in the, in the third quarter of the second half. Agreed. Next question from Wildcat Pilot 88. Big 12 teams are one in six against one in six against the next team after playing Kansas State. The outlier is Iowa State beating Texas, and the stat is likely aided with Baylor scheduled to play Oklahoma this weekend. Any clever reasoning you can think um, of to explain this? Um, well, I think it's because K-State is physically superior to everyone else and beats the crap out of them. I don't know. It's probably chances by scheduling. I mean, I don't see any real trend in it. K-State does play physical football. I mean, they do. Um, I'm not sure that plays any role in it or not. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think more than likely, if we see this trend continuing over a couple of years, I'll, I'll buy into it. But it's probably just how the games fall. Um, I was impressed Iowa State played that well, played well enough to win because I kind of thought like, they used up all their bullets against K-State, but they came back and, and got a big win. And they did K-State a favor because I think they damaged Texas to the point I don't know how involved the Longhorns are going to be in this game Saturday. I, you got players quitting on them now, and uh, I think the the thought out of Austin is Herman's just playing out the string, and whether that string is this is it or they actually are going to play that Kansas game, which I don't see any reason to play that game. Um, and I know Kansas would love not to play it, and and Texas sure? probably the same. Yeah, well, Kansas stopped playing a few weeks ago. I don't know if you noticed. They continue to show up for games, but they're not really playing. They're a thirty-one point underdog to Texas Tech. Thir- thirty-one wow. points, and that might be the ninth best team in the conference, maybe the eighth. That's how far behind they are now. Baylor kicked their butt. Texas Tech kicked their butt. It's incredible how bad they've gotten. We've forgotten about, what was that, 16, 17 the last time that Texas lost to KU? Yeah. Come on. Maybe it's a rivalry not. game, Fitz. It's a big rivalry. It yeah, really KU is. KU almost had them last year. Yeah. Don't, don't take away their Super Bowl like that. Come on. I'll, I will be interested to see if they play the game. I, I can see that yeah. being a game where both teams say, hey, well, let's just be done. I mean, Tom Herman's going to be like, hey, I'm getting fired. I'm going to get paid the same whether I play this game or not, and I don't have to go to Lawrence. Plus, it's going to be like 50 degrees, and that's the dead of winter for a guy from Austin, Texas. He still does get paid? Because oh, the NFL oh. players, the Steelers and Ravens, if that game gets postponed, they don't get paid. So oh, that's the different. I don't know. No, no, coach will get paid. Yeah. Gotcha. No, he, the Texas got players will still get paid. <laughs> I real quick, I what is it? Kleiman's either two and zero or zero and two. Is that stat still true for every Big Twelve team? No, um, no, because they beat Iowa State last year. Okay, but every other team, I think it's it's one of those things. I don't think that there's much 
that you can really do to explain it. Um, I think it's just kind of the way things go. So what is it? One in six now with teams. That's one of those stats that it's like, how'd you even find that? But, uh, you know, I don't think there's much to look into. So I think K-State's got their, their teams, the, the game after K-State, that's not much of an effect. But it's fun to look into. It is fun. It's fun to think yeah. about that K-State's that K such a good team that they wear down their opponent that they can't perform well the next week. Wildcat Pilot, where'd you find that? I'm curious. You just sit, at, sit on ESPN and <laughs> look at schedules. Some schedule grid. Oh, they lost. They lost. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's very interesting. I, yeah. I think it's probably coincidence, but it is interesting. Another question from Wildcat Pilot 88. Between K-State and Texas, which team is less motivated to finish the season after last week, and will that play the biggest role in who co- comes out on top this weekend? Oh, that's Texas. They're done. Yeah. They're done. I mean, they've had two significant players, you know, opt out for the rest of the season. Well, I, you come eight out of ten games you've played, and now you opt out? Really? Uh, that's bad. That's really bad when you're a significant player. I mean, if, if your guy is not playing and you're tired of it, okay. But, I mean, they're opting out because they want to save themselves for the NFL. I'm like, okay, well, that's – that's great for your teammates. They really appreciate that. I, I think Texas is in big trouble. I, I, I'm very thankful that Iowa State beat them because Texas would have come in here with a lot to prove, a lot to gain. Now their dreams of a Big 12 championship and restoring the great tradition of Texas football is gone because they cannot play in it. Yeah, I think it was mentioned in the press box by a lot of people on on Saturday that I think Tom Herman's buyout goes down December 1 today or tomorrow. So I don't think he's going to get fired midweek. But if if K-State wins on Saturday, he might be taking his own plane home after the game because I think there's a a decent chance that, that Tom Herman is done after after Saturday if K-State wins and you know, if I feel that the, the players probably get that sense too. I'm sure that, you know, everyone in the program probably gets that sense. And, you know, I think it's going to come down to is Tom Herman as my football coach worth fighting for if I'm a Texas player, you know, just based on the, the careers that you've had under, under Tom Herman. So, you know, I, I think that the K-State, I think, is going to probably come out and, probably is more motivated you know it's just um you know i just think everything with texas and you know everything that's going on there i, I just feel like k-state's a much more stable place right now even though they've lost four in a row i think that's going to be a big motivator they want to end this season on a, a decent note not necessarily make bowl eligibility since it's not technically you know technically anybody can go to a bowl game but as games keep getting canceled like they are you know you might want to try fighting to, to earn a spot if there is a spot, you know? So I think that K-State's going to be the more motivated team on Saturday. I, I got good news for Tom Herman. If he gets left behind by his team and his AD and they just leave him in Manhattan, the Manhattan airport has daily flights to and from <laughs> Dallas. And then you can connect right into Austin to get home. So it's very nice. Wow. We've set what that a up. Free, for what a free ad there. For flymhk.com. 
They should have her. They should, they should be our sponsor. Yeah, give us American flights. I like it. What a great trade. Mm-hmm. Zach, I was thinking, did you go drive to Kansas City and then go out west and then go back east to Morgantown? Is that how you did it? Yeah. Went uh, Kansas City <laughs> and then Denver, Kansas City to nice. Denver to Pittsburgh nice. because that was the quickest way to quickest and cheapest way That's to get crazy. To it's just crazy. <laughs> I mean, but I also I, I like flying. Like it doesn't bother me. I like the like actual like act of being in an airplane. God, you're weird. You like the free peanuts? Wow. They don't do peanuts anymore in Southwest because <sighs> peanut allergies. They True. caved. Yeah. They caved. So they but, caved to those actually, people that might die. They actually uh, they actually improved their snack selection. They've got this great snack mix. I, I, like I might actually buy some on the internet. To have it shipped to my house to eat. You know what? On the ground. I, I'm sitting in this new studio man cave. You should probably set up your own man cave, but it'd be like a tube, like an air airplane, so you feel comfortable. I don't like flying that much. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. It's the last one of the first half from I Like Pickles Cat. Should we roll with the same offensive line we started the Baylor game with? Well, if those guards were gone for COVID, they won't be back. Um, I mean, if they were just – I don't know how they wouldn't be gone for COVID. If they got pulled out on Friday for a positive test, unless it was a false positive, I don't – I mean, you wouldn't be gone for contact tracing in that way. He pretty was clear about it. It was the testing that got them, so it, they must have popped positive. I don't know. I, I wouldn't think they'd be able to play it. So now the question becomes, do you keep BB inside? I thought I thought the guards they put in did a pretty good job. So I'm not sure how they'll approach it. But, I mean, I, I would prefer to have those guys back, but I just don't see any way they will be back. I was pleasantly surprised by the way the offensive line performed on Saturday. And even when Portier went down, you know, for a little bit, you know, and they slide, they, you know, they slid some stuff around and they, if we're going to talk about adjustments, if, if K-State did one adjustment well on Saturday, it was an offensive line. They played great for how the season has gone and, you know, the, the injuries that they had and the COVID holdouts that they've had. The offensive line was, was solid on Saturday. So give them credit there, but you know, w- with how good it was, and it, I, I wouldn't say to you know if Rivas and Adler are healthy there's no way you hold them out but you know if they are out I don't feel completely uncomfortable with what they've got after what they showed against Baylor you know maybe that changes halfway through the game but you know it's kind of like kind of like the defense against Oklahoma I you know you were worried but you know once you see Echo Boydo Justin Gardner TJ Smith all play decently well you're kind of like well you know, once the other guys come back, you know, we kind of got some depth there. You know, I, I feel like this is a little bit of a similar situation there with, with the offensive line. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to say, yeah, start these guys over Revis and Adler, but not terribly worried after what we saw. I would agree. I, I'll be very interested to see who's back. Sounds like the linebackers will be, but. Uh, the more whole they get, the better off they are, of course. 
That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. We appreciate you listening to that. We're going to do it again. It's called the second half, and it's right after this break. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the show? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. We now send it back to the PowerCat podcast. Welcome to the third quarter. It's the second half, but I mean, it has to start with the third quarter. Even though we don't know how long this quarter will last, I promise you this. We're going to score some points here. It's the PowerCat Questions podcast, sponsored by The Fridge. Our uh, segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low, all locally owned. Make sure you're supporting locally owned businesses, whether you're in Manhattan Topeka, Salina, Kansas City, or parts unknown. Well, I'm sure you, when I went home. Oh yeah, that's good. I'm sure people know what, what part they're in. I just don't know it. So parts unknown is like I made that too complex. Let's get back to the questions from Wabash Station. Here's Ryan Gilbert. First question of the third quarter from <laughs> Limestone Silo. Convince me the positives of playing this season: money, experience, etc outweigh um, the, the negatives, transfers, loss of faith in coaches, et cetera. Will this season leave too sour of a taste to easily get past? Well, no. it shouldn't. It's not going to be too sour. It shouldn't. People are, I don't want to say taking this season too seriously. They're overreacting to this season. Yes. Folks, they're 4-4 four and four in the conference. You're upset about how it's taken place. They won four, they've lost four. That's weird and it's uncomfortable and The schedule got significantly tougher. They had one really tough opponent in the first half of the season, and they caught Oklahoma out of the gates, and K-State and Iowa State took advantage of it and beat Oklahoma when they weren't as good as they are now. Then you played Tech, TCU, Kansas. I mean, those are three not very good teams. TCU's improved. And then you went, went headlong into West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Iowa State. I think West Virginia is really good. People are screaming about how great Neil Brown is. Folks, he's lost three games in the conference. Number four is coming this weekend with Iowa State. And that includes a win over K-State. So, look, I, I, I know it sucks to lose four in a row and you go an entire month without winning. But this team is four and four in the conference. I don't care about Arkansas State. That's the only game I'm going to COVID excuse this one to. Because you didn't have a game, they did. You didn't have spring football, they did. 
they knew better at that point how to deal with COVID. It was your first dealing with it, and you were missing a lot of players. Uh, that's the only game I'm going to hang the COVID excuse on. After that, it's game on. You're four and four. If they win this game, they'll be five and four of the conference the last two years in a retooling project that is going to take years. Just just because. I mean, they're trying to rebuild the roster, and some of those early players they took haven't worked out. I mean, there's a reason why they were still available in the spring. Uh, I'm not, I'm not overly worried about it. If they'd oh, if they'd gone one and nine or something, maybe I'd be really worried. I'm not worried about this. And, you know, and and what's your? It's like uncertainty is really the concern here. The concern isn't that K State isn't going to ever be good and Climate isn't the guy. You don't know as a fan. How Chris Kleiman's going to manage this? You learned how Bill Snyder would manage things, but Kleiman's an unknown. Will he change coaches? Will his friendship with Courtney Messingham outweigh the good of the football team? I would like to think not, but I also don't know that um, Chris Kleiman thinks firing his friend is a solution other than trying to self-scout and solve the problem. Kids are leaving. They're leaving all over the country. They're they're finding reasons to leave. They're finding excuses to leave. It's going to be so much better. Josh Youngblood, I've been to Piscataway. Have fun, brother. Have fun. That is one of the ugliest, most spread out, characterless campuses I've ever been on in my life. And you're in New Jersey. Godspeed, young man. Everything's going to be so much better there. I don't know. Um, I don't want to say this generation now, but I'm beginning to think they don't want to see anything through. It's tough. I quit. I want to go somewhere else. It's so easy now. The biggest thing K-State fans could do for, for at least the rest of this year is quit overreacting. Quit. It's, it's just a screwed up year. Ryan Young had an incredible tweet Facebook post, former K-State offensive lineman, NFL, uh, now uh, a minister, about this season is a mess. Some programs are going to benefit from it, others won't. In the long run, I truly believe K-State football is going to be better for this season. Why? Because Chris Kleiman played the games. Because young players got exposure. A guy like Deuce Vaughn is going to really develop and be better as a player and not burn eligibility. I think K-State football is going to be better for this season, whether it's four and six with no bowl game or five and five, and you play in this, the planners saltless nut bowl. I don't even know what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm glad I said, didn't say Nutless salt ball. That would have been bad. But let me tell you, I think K-State football is going to benefit from this season. I think it's going to be a good thing. I admire Chris Kleiman for not looking for an out. He shouldn't have played the Iowa State game. He could have backed out of the Iowa State game. He could have said, oh, we had this guy sprained his ankle. Now he can't play. We're below the threshold. But what good would that have done him? There's a chance they would have never played the game maybe. I don't know. He played the game, got his ass kicked. But you know what happens when you get your ass kicked in life? You learn something from it. 
I mean, that's just the reality. You, you can't undo some of the things that have happened this year, but you can benefit from them. I mean, there's a lot of things in my life I would undo, but you can't. So just folks need to calm down. Look, let me put it this way. If I can give Bruce Weber a complete pass on, on this crap show we're seeing in basketball, you could probably give a second-year football coach the benefit of a doubt that maybe this year, without having spring football and summer, summer programs, when you're only in your second season, might have been to your detriment. So uh, I'm not so anxious to push the button and make a change. I mean, some of you are out there. Some of the same people probably who criticize me for calling for a change of basketball coaches after five years of seeing what the program is about, some of you are calling for a change in football coaching after two years. And the second year, by the way, is a pandemic. It's just, the whole thing's crazy. Some of you have lost your minds. Yeah, it's like, this, this will be better for the program. The people that are complaining about this football coach right now are the same people that would be entering the transfer portal this season because they're not getting what they want right now. So if you think that Chris Kleiman should be fired right now and you're mad about the players entering the transfer portal, you are one of those players, okay? It's a pandemic year. It's his second year. Guys, calm down. Just think about it. If K-State plays the three non-con games against Buffalo, North Dakota, Vanderbilt, K-State is 7-4 and four right now going into the final game. Would you be okay with 7-4? and four? That's how I see this team. I see this team as a 7-4 and four team. I don't see them as a 4-5 and five team. I don't see them on a, on a four-loss, four you know, a four-game losing streak. Yes, they're on a four-game losing streak, but is it 15? Is this, is this team as bad as they were in 2015? But they lost six straight Big 12 conference games and had to eke out a game, ironically enough, against Courtney Messingham and Iowa State that year. You know, that game was an embarrassment that they that K-State should have lost and would have, you know, been another game they lost in a row. But it's just this this year is not the the worst K-State football I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, I'm young, but there, this is not like this isn't that bad. It's fine. Like, just I, I don't, I don't get why everybody's so upset with, with with where the team's at. Yeah, it's frustrating right now, but look at the big picture. K State, you know, they would be probably seven and four right now, you know, if, if this was a normal year and they play those non-con games. So you're maybe looking at an eighth win. So that that's the way I see it. Is you know the there's an adjustment you can make in your head for this season and say, you know what? It's not that bad because you're going to beat Vanderbilt. You're going to beat Buffalo. You're going to beat North Dakota. You know, you don't lose to Iowa state or excuse me, Arkansas state, you know, cause that game wouldn't have happened. So, you know, maybe you lose to OU and you beat another team somewhere, but I, I think that this team still, you can adjust it and look at it and say, yeah, they're going for eight and four, you know? And, and I don't think that that's too bad in a second year when you look at it that way. We just need to be thankful that we've got football. I mean, I can guarantee that anyone listening to this is, was telling themselves back in July or August, hey, if we just get a season, I don't care if K-State even wins a game. I just want to see some football. So I think we've got to take what we can get. There's been some ugly moments, no doubt about that. But, you know, we've got football, and you guys are, are definitely right with the points you make that 
we can't be hitting the panic button. It's the COVID year and we just need to take what we can get. And, you know, we have football. I think there was a, a few times where we were not looking good at all for football. So we've got football. Be thankful. We just had Thanksgiving. Let's keep it going. I learned, I've learned one definitive thing uh, from this pandemic season. I enjoy Sunbelt football. Now, the hell with Mac action. I like the Sunbelt. It's the Did fun you just call belt. It Mac, did you just call it Mac action? Uh-huh. It's, it's Maction. Maction. It's one word, Maction. Fitz is no. what we call a boomer, isn't he? Yeah. No, it's Mac action. Yeah. Oh. What is it, Pac-12 in the evening for you, Fitz? What, what other? What I can't other make it late at night anymore. <laughs> Hell, I barely made it through the end of my podcast on Saturday night. Brian Hanley and I are like, okay, we got to go to bed, man. This is late. It's it's past 10. It was just sad. <laughs> it's a sad thing what's going on here. Let's move on. That was good. I feel better. Next question is from Girth Brooks. He's new to the podcast. He's been on Go Power Cat for a while, but... First time I think we've seen you post a question, love so welcome. Name. Please <laughs> please give us uh, some more of your lovely questions, Girth Brooks. Of the seniors or impact juniors, such as Wyatt Hubert, who do you expect back on next year's football team? I saw Hubert as a possible day two grade for the upcoming draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I would imagine Wyatt think. Hubert goes. You think he goes? I think he goes. Hmm. I think he, he's I think healthy. He, yeah. He's got the hair the right length. I don't blame I wouldn't blame him if he went, but just something something inside of me says I want to, you know, that he's going to want to finish out his career at K-State, you know, have one more year. I don't know if he'll he'll use the free year of eligibility thing, but man, part of me just he seems like the kind of guy that that would want to, you know, win with his teammates right now, you know, but I, I certainly wouldn't blame him if he went to the league and and you know try to get in the paycheck but man if if he plays as well as he does this year next year and even improves who's not to say he moves up even further you know maybe maybe not out of day two into day one but you know if he's you know if he's third round you know maybe he moves up into to the second round but you know I, i think he's still got more room to improve um you know next season that could possibly up his draft stock. I, but you know, outside of, outside of Wyatt, I don't know if there's any juniors out there that, you know, that, that want to leave. As I sit here right now, I, I would guess John McPherson, Noah Johnson and Skylar Thompson will all be back. No, that's just guessing. I'm, they literally have not told anyone anything. And they will probably sit down as soon as this Texas game over and start sorting through who wants to come back. I would have added Drew Wiley into that. I think Drew Wiley's now probably thinking he might have a shot at the league. I mean, he's played exceptionally well. Uh, maybe the right fit will pop up for a free agency. I don't see him being a draft choice, but yeah, I I can see him going. I'd love it if he came back because I think he could only benefit unless he got hurt. So I don't think many guys will be back for a couple of reasons, as, as far as seniors, for a couple of reasons. One, you kind of fall into three buckets. Um, one is 
you're a possible NFL guy. That's not a very crowded bucket for Kansas State. Two, you've played a lot of college football. You don't have a chance at the NFL, and your body has been beaten to hell. And you're probably just done. You just want to move on with life. Folks, there's a lot of guys in that bucket, not at K-State, but all across college football. Five years of practice, four years of games, a pin here, a rehab of a torn knee there. It it adds up. And, I mean, I'm so aware of this because I'm friends with Marcus Watts, who can now predict the weather based on his body, and he's not even 40. I mean, the wear and tear college football takes on you is significant. And then there's the third bucket of guys that feel like, They've played, but they haven't accomplished what they want to accomplish, whether that's at the college level or proving your worth at the next level. And that, that's kind of the middle bucket in, in the number of guys that are in it. And I just listed off guys that I feel like probably feel that way. Although Skyler could slip into the bucket, I'm done, my body's done pretty easily. We'll see how his rehab goes. But um, I don't think a lot of guys in terms of seniors will be back. Next question from KSU Man. How many players do you see K-State taking from the transfer portal? Three at the most. One probably. I think they'll they'll probably go, go find a receiver. Than, I'd go more than three. Really? I'd, I'd say five. I'd put the over-under at five. Really? I don't, I yeah, don't see I these just, guys doing that. The way I see it is, the pool, the player pool in the portal is going to be much more inflated than it has been in years past that I think that, you know, that the, that the transfer portal is going to be seen as more of a legitimate source of talent for this next season and maybe even seasons beyond. So, you know, the, you think about the first year, they, what they pulled three out last year, they pulled two out. I mean, you know, it, it's, I think that this year is with, with so many people entering the portal all across college football. I mean, you know, if, if, I, if I'm correct in thinking that it's two that they got from the portal this year, um, you know, three being just one more, you know, that's not really that much doesn't move the needle that much. You know, if it was a normal year and they went out and grabbed three, I don't think any would be like, wow, that's a lot of guys. So I think that just based on the number of people that are entering the transfer portal, I think that, that, yeah, they might be able to take more. I don't know who they might be, but that's that's my thoughts on it is that, you know, an increased population and an increased proportion, you know, that's probably, you know, it's going to be a legitimate source of talent, and why not go and get someone that might be a little bit more proven? I think they're going to only look for one and done, though. They're not going to want someone, unless they're exceptional, they don't want someone to come in and clog up the scholarships further because it's going to be a problem. They can find a Briley Moore version at receiver hell yes and you know maybe there's a couple other spots they would do that uh, but i think receivers is the one that they really want linebacker maybe maybe safety i i don't know i mean their their numbers there are so weird they've lost so many guys and but i mean if they could find two really good receivers i think they would take them but i don't see them going over three uh, the scholarships are going to be a problem going forward yeah, I agree with you, Fitz, that these guys are mostly going to be uh, one-and-done type guys. You know, seniors, they have one year of eligibility, and that's that's who they grab. But I, I think it's going to be more because, I mean, you know, Hunter Henry, Keanu Thomas, 
Briley Moore, James Gilbert, Jordan Brown, you know, they've, they've had a whole bunch of guys, you know, just in two seasons come out of the transfer portal and be, you know, somewhat key players, you know, a few of them. So I just, I think that just based on how, how many are entering, you know, somebody's going to come out. So I think that, I think we're going to see more in the future, whether or not they're key guys, you know, or not, you know, that'll be one thing, but I think that it is going to be a source of, of the roster going forward. Next question from Ohio power cat after three games, what do we know about the basketball team and what do we not know? Oh, we don't know who really are going to be the guys. I mean, it's clear. Nigel pack is the guy going ahead. The kid's pretty darn good. Um, he, he we'll get a, into we'll get into Nigel in the next. And uh, I just don't know is Dejuan Gordon going to really step up and and be the type of player he's capable of? I think he found out something about himself against Kansas City in the fact that he didn't take a single three and he led the team in in shooting and rebounding. Uh, you're an athlete. Get the ball to the rim. Go be around the rim. Do athlete things because you're not a pure shooter. Maybe that'll come, but you're not right now. Quit feeling like. You have to do that. That So far, though, this team is pretty much exactly what I thought it would be. Kind of painful to watch at times, fun at other times. And yet, there are signs of hope. They got big men. They got big men who need to get better but are okay. They've got some young players who are okay. There's some guys that I like better than others. Selton McGill's been a huge disappointment for me so far, but he also missed a lot of basketball this fall uh, because he was out. I, he's just kind of trying to figure out where his game fits in at this level. I think he's the guy that's having the most problems adjusting from high school slash AAU ball to college. But there's some there's some guys here. Do they need a superstar stud for these guys to work around? Hell yeah, they they really could. I mean, this team is screaming for a superstar for a standout. And they, I don't think they really have it. I think Nigel Pack is a is a complimentary piece to that. Um, and but this is season. This is what I expected from the season. Maybe win one out of three, maybe. And the Big Twelve might get more difficult. But show me progress. Show me that that great ten minutes you played becomes fifteen minutes, becomes twenty minutes, becomes twenty five minutes. Because when you get over thirty minutes, you're going to probably start winning some games people didn't think you could win. So the season's been. About what I thought it'd be three games in, and I'm hoping they play even better on Saturday against UNLV. And I think I'm I'm going to go to Vegas just to watch the game. I know the game's here. Don't get me wrong. I know the game's in Manhattan. I'm just going to go to Vegas and watch the game because right now I could do my job from anywhere as long as like, I have the internet. Biggest surprise for me is probably Antonio Gordon. I didn't anticipate him. You're not an um, Antonio Gordon playing fan, as are much you? as he had. What's up? You're not a big Antonio Gordon fan, are you? Um, I was talking, I don't, I think maybe in a lot of people, myself included, are probably letting their biases get in the way of Gordon. I don't have a problem with him being on the court. I think he's, 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 he's finally healthy. First of all, he was battling some sicknesses. So, you know, now, now that he's kind of, um, back to his old self, I think he's, he's working harder in practice. I think that his playing time has to show that, um, Murphy's just been more of a disappointment. I don't, you know, Antonio hasn't done anything special. He's going on the court playing solid defense. He hasn't done much offensively, but he looks more confident. He doesn't look like a freshman anymore. So it's not really about Antonio. It's just about Murphy, who's struggled, and Gordon's been the beneficiary of that when he has started the last two games. So 
other than that, though, I mean, this is the pandemic year. They're young. Nigel Pack's the guy. Everything else is kind of what I expected it to be. Yep. I, Last question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I, Antonio Gordon, I just want to point this out, plays extremely hard. Sometimes that isn't pretty. I mean, sometimes he looks like, uh, what's that, the the gif of Kermit the Frog with his hands going everywhere. That's how Antonio plays. He's kind of out of control at times, but he's playing really hard. And I, this is going to be weird. Uh, this is going to be a weird thing to say. I gained a lot of respect for him at Kansas when he was one of the first ones to jump out and say, no, don't mess with my teammate. Now, you don't want guys fighting. But there's something about being that guy that immediately reacts and says, I got your back, brother. That's good for a team environment. Even if he's wrong in how he did it, even if it looked bad, as a teammate, yeah, Antonio had my back. Now, I like him. He needs to refine his game, but it can start with being a great defender and a great rebounder, and I think he sees himself as a great offensive player. Dude, that comes. That, that'll come. If you do the other two first, then all of a sudden – the offensive thing seems to snap into place because you're not worried about it. I'm, I, I like Antonio too. Last year, my first impressions of him really weren't that good. I know he was blowing kisses after he, you know, made a three and this and that and a little arrogance, but it's right. honestly, it's, it's, it's confidence, you know, and I think it, it happens with a lot of players. The, the ones that you think are not, I don't want to say not the best people, but the ones that you don't like are end up really good people. And the ones that seem like the best guys end up not to be the best guys. Look at Cartier Jada simply didn't, he was not a good player in the locker room for Kansas state after we thought he was a godsend, you know, when he was a freshman. So I'm with you. Antonio's I'm on his kind of, I wouldn't, it's not a bandwagon, but my opinions is changed since last year with Antonio. This is the first question of the fourth quarter and the last, Question of the this is this is it this is the grand poobah of the podcast this last is, question this is really got confusing this, so this quarter we didn't even get to the fourth quarter I'm sorry I messed so, up I really so did. the fourth quarter started and we didn't know it <laughs> I feel like this really is K State football huh is this the last question this is this is it yeah let's do it is Nigel Pack this part of me it's from Adam K sixty three is Nigel Pack the next K State basketball star and from Limestone Silo. Are we sure Kamal Stokes isn't simply back wearing number 24? Can Pack become a better version of Stokes? I'm going to say it. Yeah, he he already is better as a freshman than Stokes was for a lot of his career. Now, Cam could distribute the ball a little bit better at times. You know, there's there's more things that have to go on here than scoring. But I like him. Man, he's, he's got balls. I'll give him that. He'll, he'll take that shot. He'll he'll handle the ball. He'll learn every time he gets schooled by a veteran point guard like Colorado. He's going to learn from it. And uh, but I, again, I think he will be the star of this team. But he shouldn't be the star. You know, to be a really really good team, you need three pieces. And maybe he's one, but they need a dude. And Barry was the dude. And but or was it Dean? You know, I mean, they kind of rotated in that, but they had guys. Barry wanted to take the last shot. Um, didn't always work out well, but he wanted it. He was confident in it, and I think that's what he'll be. But then again, I would really like to have that guy that can just kind of take you to the next level. 
you know, that I've got this. Here we go. Follow me. And Pac's part of that. And then someone else steps up to be the third guy. And and that's, that's the makings of a pretty good team. But, yeah, I'm, I'll say this. I think K-State basketball is going to be in good hands with Nigel Pack as the point guard for the years to come. I don't know how comparable it is to Kamau Stokes. Obviously, they look like twins, but the game's a little different. Um, Nigel's a little more uh, – not a, it's not as smooth as Kamau. I don't know if it's not – it's not a bad thing, but – they're just, it's a little different. So I think Nigel's probably a little bit more of a pure point guard. Um, and like you said, Fitz, Kamau really did have Barry and Dean to take the weight off of his shoulders. Nigel, as a freshman, simply doesn't have that. He doesn't have much leadership on that team. So, you know, we'll see who that, that guy or guys can be to help him out. We haven't seen uh, Luke Kazubki or Carlton Lingard yet, so I'm not saying that they're going to be those guys, but you know, this injuries, a lot of things have bothered this team. And it's it's going to be, you know, a year or two from now how how they develop because it looks good now. I mean, you go back to Barry Dean and Cam's freshman year, it looked great when they were freshmen, but it's all about how you develop. So, you know, you can't – the development cannot halt here. This has only got to be the, the beginning. And I think that they've got a, a good group of guys with the basketball program. Nigel Pack is – 100% the type of kid that you want playing for your team. One million percent. I love what he does. Great work, work ethic, great kid, great family. He, he is what you want. So I think Nigel Pack is, to answer the question, the next K-State basketball star. I will put the difference this way. Um, Cam Stokes was a, a scorer. He had the scores mentality, and he played point guard. Uh, for me, Nigel Pack is a point guard. He kind of has the instincts of a point guard, the natural leadership of a point guard. He's in control like a point guard. And, oh, by the way, he can score. They're kind of the same but kind of the opposite in how they approach it. But I really like him. Uh, and I like the way he handles himself in postgame, too. I mean, that says a lot about your quarterback, your guy. Um, How does he handle himself in, in postgame? And he's pretty darn good. Pretty darn good. Zach, you got anything here, or are you on the phone with like customer support? I uh, will. I'll defer my basketball opinions to Gills. I like I think he's it. on Tinder. Yeah. Oh, he's on Tinder. On the new, the, the, the I'm Tinder. not on Tinder. I'm. He was He was swiping up. I don't know what he was doing. That's not one of That's these a super choices. Like. That's a super like. I didn't. Yes. I didn't know. That. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> Gills. Oh, if if there was twin, Tinder for websites, I can't speak now. Tinder for websites, I hope you'd swipe right on GoParacad.com because that's it for this podcast. We'll be back with the pregame podcast. My goodness, this week's flying by. I'm already getting ready to record a pregame podcast. What is going on? The last pregame podcast of the regular season. Chris Kleiman says he wants to play a bowl game. I'm not so sure. What's going to happen there? Check out my daily delivery later this week on that very topic. Hey, Zach, remind me to do that very topic because I will forget after this. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. 
The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.